Dwight prowls the streets after dark. He searches each night for the lonely and the forlorn, looking for people who won't be missed. Dwight takes no joy in this, but he needs their blood. Without fresh human blood, his fragile young brother Thomas cannot survive. Each death takes a larger toll, the burden of his crimes weighing heavier each time, threatening to crack his spirit. But Thomas and his sister Jessie are all the family Dwight has left, and as a fiercely private and close-knit family unit, they depend on him and the rituals they've learned in order to keep their secret. But while Dwight yearns for another life, Jessie needs them to stay together, and always, the boy must feed. Today my guests are Jonathan Kiardas and Owen Campbell, the director and star of the new film My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, which will be available on VOD and in theaters on Friday, June 25th. I hope you enjoyed the show. Look at that. I mean, it's even recording right now. So. It is. There I, it is. I, I'm so happy that didn't happen 20 minutes down the road from now. I uh, There was this one, the one time that's happened to me before, I was interviewing uh, Peter Shosetsky, who's a DP that I've loved my whole life. You know, he shot uh, Videodrome. He shot a lot of Cronenberg's wow. old stuff. He shot Empire Strikes Back, had this hour-long conversation. It was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And it was literally just a phone call between me because it just went oh, away. Wow. So glad we were able to catch that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, the, the first question I wanted to ask you about um, was this idea of shooting the film in four, three, which is such an, there's been this shift from when I was a kid to shooting in four, three, that was the TV style. And now it's something you really only see in theater. So it feels so much more cinematic um, and it's gotten, I guess that's how film started as well. So it's kind of the third iteration of this style coming back. And it felt like it really added to the claustrophobia of this film. Was that the intention of using this format or what was your, uh, what, what made you head down that road with this? Yeah, it was a conversation that I had with my brother, who's the DP and we had done a music video in four, three, and we just kind of fell in love with the square and we were going to do 166 which is a little bit cropped on the sides but Mm -hmm. we just thought let's just go let's just fully embrace it let's close them in and and we wanted to even further close the frame like shooting through doorways and 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 from outside bedrooms so it was just about enclosing the characters but also my brother spoke about this during Tribeca where he said that the frame is also very tall like when you watch it in a theater the four three frame feels like really tall and it was another way to kind of instead of the claustrophobic feeling it was also augmenting this feeling of isolation like when they're outside and and there's so much headroom it seems like uh Dwight is so alone and and he's by himself next to these like mountains or towering trees so it was kind of this um the it's like a the dichotomy of, of both things like I- isolation and then claustrophobia as well when you're inside the house. Well, I think anybody that's been through the last 15 months kind of <laughs> understands the duality of both those feelings. Um, I mean, this couldn't be a more salient film. I mean, the idea the themes that you're dealing with here absolutely are relatable in a way that possibly people could relate to prior to this and the feelings of, the trappings of family and expectation and these sort of things that we put on the people that we love and care about and how we can essentially imprison them in ways. But now in the last year, it has a whole 
<laughs> level of meaning. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, Owen, what could, could you talk about a little bit about, I'm not sure how much to give away here, but the, this role and um, it's not an obvious way of playing a character like this in an obvious film. So it's, you're kind of redefining this type of genre film. And a lot of that has to do with your performance. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how all the decisions came about uh, as to how we were going to cook up Thomas. Uh, but I do know that I, when I met John, one of the things I really responded to was his patience and his gentleness, but also the clarity of his vision. And so then when we started working together, to have someone who knew, I mean, he will probably speak about this, but it was a meticulously planned film. So to have this skeleton that was so sturdy that then I had total freedom in was quite uh, a gift. And then we just decided like, well, why don't we try something a little different? What if, what if he doesn't just move like I move? What if, what if he moves like a person who's, um, who's always being starved of his life force? And how is that going to affect the way he moves? And then how is that going to affect the way he speaks? And even into the shoot, I mean, luckily... Thomas doesn't do a ton of moving and a ton of speaking in the early scenes we were shooting at least uh, just because of the shooting order. So we really got to sort of dial things in a bit. And so I can watch the movie now and think, Oh, there, that's, that's when it was still a little big or that's when it was still a little, little, you know, but we, we found, I think eventually we found how this person speaks and how this person moves, which I think is, is informed both by the fact that they, are they need uh, obscene amounts of blood, I think, to get to a place that the rest of us would consider vibrant. But once they get blood, like they do, they, it, it becomes sort of a snowballing effect of their, uh, the intensity of their movement and their body. Um, and then at the same time, he's someone, I don't think, I think he's extremely bright. We see that he's extremely bright. I think he's emotionally intelligent. But because he's been treated like a child by his siblings for so long, he's also adopted that as his sort of survival mechanism within the family is. He plays younger almost subconsciously than he actually is emotionally and uh, intellectually because that's the dynamic. And they've all learned that safety is in maintaining the dynamic. And that's, that's another one of those things that is just so layered into it with that idea of this imprisoning and the way that we can do this to in that family dynamic, that it can be physical and emotional in that way. And in fact, it's probably that emotional still thing that has more weight than the other side that breaking out of a physical prison, the emotional repercussions are definitely the heavier ones that you carry the weight of. Um, so Jonathan, can you tell me a little bit about bringing Owen into this? Because I mean, if this performance doesn't work, your movie really falls apart. So it definitely yeah. hinged here on these three central performances. I mean, I, 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 I love Owen as, as an actor. I love him as a person now, but he was my first choice. Um, I, our producer had a connection to his agent and it was just a very 
it started like a very transactional thing and <laughs> I was sort of advised to like play it cool you know I can't I can't act like I'm I'm a fanboy um but when I talked to him we I think we just both reacted well to just being honest and being open and just getting to know one another and I told him I just, I just said honestly I I would love to work with you and I think Owen you responded well to that and we both agreed to work on it together and I did think he brought so much to this you know it's 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 almost like a rigid thing because my brother and I prioritize planning so much that everything is so planned out and that has to do with our lack of resources or lack of money and our lack of crew but in doing that you allow for more room to kind of break away from these rigid um guidelines so to speak and Owen just brought so much fun to the character like the the crickets that he takes care of that was that was Owen like that Owen said why don't I get to take care of something too and so it's just that collaboration of of trying to find a happy medium between um rules and then expression and freedom and just trusting performers of these calib of this caliber like I, I I listened a lot to to all of them and to the crew as well because it's my first film and and they just brought so much to the table now, can you talk a little bit about that choice, Owen? Because that really surprises me the, the the crickets weren't there because that I felt like that was almost like an of mice and men homage that you were pulling to that idea again of that family dynamic. And that's really what I thought you were pulling from. But to hear that that was something you just came up with is really impressive. I don't remember how we, we were talking about, I don't know, just the way you sort of repeat behavior that you're taught. And, and then we were just talking about that a lot, which I feel like the film is very much about the way families are shaped and uh and i don't know it just made sense suddenly it was like oh right like this is a person whose entire life is entire personality essentially is built around the idea that they're taken care of they're the one that is that that is taken care of and so that's how they've learned to receive love but they can't take care of anyone else you know their siblings won't even let Tom is try to take care of them. That's not the dynamic for any of them. Uh, and so he, just like, I feel like Dwight needs to find someone to take care of him a little bit. Uh, uh, Thomas needs to find something to take care of. Um, and eventually if you'd like that to be a friend, you know, and really nurture a friendship with someone, but that's been uh, kept from him. And so initially we, we were just, there was just some ants, I think that yeah. were on the garden and we thought ants, what if you like caught them? But, uh, we were like, we can't shoot that. They're, they're too small. And then, and so my, and then again, like collaboration, my dad suggested, he's like, what if we do crickets? You know, they're a little bit bigger, but probably easy to take care of. Um, so then that's how that came about. And the, <laughs> can you talk a little bit, Jonathan, how are things with your family? After watching this, um, I, I just I, I have concern that things might be a little bit rough on the home front. Are are you doing okay? Well, none of us talk anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it was it. This whole thing is an exploration of a family and how family units work and the rituals that we create to kind of maintain equilibrium. Um, but it was about an experience that I had with my grandmother and when she was in hospice. And my dad is the youngest of ten siblings, so that house was like kind of the same size it was like a one-story house very tight mm. imagine like 20 people in there all the cousins and everyone has a different opinion some people are saying 
maybe we should let her rest. And other people are like, no, we have to wait to see if she gets better. But we knew she wasn't going to get better. So it's kind of exploring this. But at the same time, I, I just gravitate towards horror. I think it's it's much more fun to use that as a vehicle for exploration. And it maybe makes it a little bit easier to digest, no pun intended, because, it, uh, you know, if, if, it was a fa- if it was a film just about people taking care of someone in hospice, like that could get pretty bleak if you're, if you're, if the tone is already bleak, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And I, when you're dealing with any heavier issues like that, when you can remove yourself one step from it and not have that direct one-to-one, it doesn't, it never comes across as preachy. You can deal with any subject when you're doing it through supernatural or through a monster film, horror film, you know, you can talk about race, sexuality, politics, anything like that in a way that doesn't feel preachy ever. And I think you're, you could watch this as a horror film and just hang out for those moments and you you could get by and enjoy it. Um, But I think that you're going to end up attracting an audience much wider and more thoughtful than that might be. And that's not to say that horror films aren't thoughtful because I'm a genre guy. I love horror films and I love that stuff, but um, genre fans, we can be very forgiving um, of the stuff that we love, that we tout, that we support. I don't feel like people that love this film will need to make any apologies for it. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. I think it's been interesting in the festival circuit. Like we'll get into all these genre festivals, but then we'll get into like the general festivals too. And it's interesting to see the, the opinions and how they vary from, from place to place. Well, what is that reaction like? Because I felt this was something that's more akin to maybe like um, Abel Ferrara, the, the addiction, something like that, where you're taking this small micro budget film and dealing with some much heavier loftier ideas through the lens of that, you know, um, monster movie. And, but, you're doing it in a way that I think a film like that did have a wider appeal. Um, may, but it, it's still limited in nature because, you know, there's not a lot of people that are wanting to watch these, you know, for that one, like this black and white, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but a black and white uh, vampire movie about, you know, addiction. Yeah. And so you're kind of playing that same idea here. I felt like. Yeah. Well, I'm inspired by all those movies, like a girl walks home alone at night. Just how, how, yeah. It's interesting. Great one. Just how, how, how many times, you can subvert something so classical as, as like Bram Stoker's Dracula and how you can strip that down or, or exaggerate it or make it about lust or about addiction, like inhabit, or there's so many, there's so many interpretations of it and that's what makes it so fun. But you know, the, I think emotionally, I think I'm happy when people resonate when, when it resonates emotionally, despite the blood and despite the horror or the fact that it's horror or a drama, if people are connecting to the characters and having some sort of empathy, then I, that's what I like to hear the most, but you know, it's, it is fun to to play with the blood and, and all the special effects too. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, that's the, that's deeply cinematic, but all those things they're they can be devices if they're not using being used in the name of story, if they're not being right. used in the name of character, they're empty. Um, and wondering, Owen, if you could talk a little bit about just uh, the humanity of this piece and the interactions with, you know, coming from the, well, the, the this this story and being able to play both sides of that, where you are this mm-hmm. stilted character who is 
very smart, but very naive in some ways, very childish in way. You, the moment where you're talking about children playing outside and that desire to be a part of the world again. And this, you can think of like sheltered children in that way. And you have this, but you're also, you have this inner thing that you can't control that's beyond you. So it's this really interesting balance you have to pull off. Yeah. And I think what makes that balancing act work is the tenderness of the family. And that's that we owe a great deal to Pat and Ingrid for that. I mean, they carry a lot of this film is just those two faces. A lot of this film, you know what I mean? Um, and and like they they no one's judging their characters. Um, and it, it, I think you know the film. From early reviews, you get a sense that the bleakness of the world and of the characters and of their lives, everyone picks up on sort of immediately. And sometimes that's what sticks with people. They sort of remember the bleakness. But I think watching it, it's not all bleak all the time. There are these sort of glittering moments. And that's what I really love, actually. And, um, and those moments tend to surround Thomas. And that's what allows, I think, this film to walk a line between genre film and narrative film because there are moments where it, it leans into blood and violence and genre convention. Uh, but for a great deal, it, is, it just takes the, 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 the uh, given circumstances, the genre given circumstances, and explores three characters in a limited space. Um, and I think it does so tenderly without too much of the plot, you know, which I think will turn off some very conventional audiences. But uh, I'd also think the movie does come through on the plot promise. But for that brief moment before, you know, the movie begins and it makes all these promises about the kind of movie you're going to see. You're going to see violence. You're going to see a family dealing with blood and guts. And that happens. Uh, you see this film come to a head and their world come crashing in around them. But, but there is, in the beginning at least, the, these, these still moments of tenderness that I think hold the whole thing together. Well, there's a moment that's very early on in the film that let me know that it wasn't going to be what I expected. Um, you know, there is the, the opening shot, the opening sequence rather is very dark, like you were saying. But then there's a moment where there's some, I don't know, I don't want to give anything away, but there's, uh, there's an exchange at a pawn shop essentially mm. And what is being exchanged for in that moment and what is put on that front seat, just it delighted me to no end. It was just the last thing I would have anticipated seeing on that seat. Well, there's something that, I don't know, I, I'm, I've always been surrounded by movies, but also by music. My brother's like, uh, he has a, a degree in music education and there's something about music that's so therapeutic. And, and, and of course, like Owen was saying, it was important to add levity, it was important to love these characters and not just be engulfed by this tragedy, which I already feel like it is pretty suffocating, but it's good to have these moments where, you know, I feel like the audience always gets excited at that moment where uh, Thomas is doing karaoke, just the way that it's revealed. But I think it's just tender. And if anything, I would do more of that in my next film because it, it's even... It, it makes it the violence hurt more because it's kind of like an emotional violence. Like we, if you start to love these characters when they're thrown into the shit, then you're like, Oh, I remember when they were just singing, you know? 
Yeah, you're more deeply connected to it. It's if you the if you only see them protecting a monster, if you only see them protecting something that they love because of this familial bond that it's insisting that they take care of this person, that only goes so far. But when you see the actual interactions and there is lightness and there is love and there's genuine genuine affection, but then there's the complications of what do we do with that? What is the humane thing to do in this situation is what we're doing okay um how are we writing off these all these things that we do and you know i think that those are questions we have to ask ourselves anyway in our day-to-day life if the choices that we make are hurting others um whether directly or indirectly and we need to kind of take that mirror and face it back at ourselves in it's not as direct as it is in this film obviously but i think there's something there that could be an emotional exercise that we could all benefit from mm-hmm. I was just I was more interested in the rituals of this family than the the rituals or tropes of a vampire because that's also familiar like we know can't go out in the sun they don't have a reflection they need blood to survive I didn't want to explore those because they've been explored so much so I'm like what makes this family unique like they play a weird piano game they do karaoke they celebrate Christmas certain times so many times a year, um, all these things interested me more because it just makes it again, it's like very personal. That's fantastic. And I think that that shows through in this film, like there's not a frame of this movie that feels cynical or that you're doing something because you're checking boxes. It does feel like this is just a deep reflection of, and it's an emotional story that you're trying to tell the whole time. Um, it's also entertaining which is something that's not easy to pull off to have something. And I think that's why it's getting recognized at these festivals, because this is, I feel like it's getting your, your winning festivals. People are wanting to see this movie. It's getting that kind of recognition, but I still feel like this is something that people are going to go nuts for when the wider audience finds this thing. Cause this is just, you've made something really special here. Thank you. I'm glad you think that. <laughs> let's see. No, let's no, no, so. I, I, <laughs> I, no, I absolutely. This is uh you know, every, every couple of years you have something that shows up and you go, Oh goddamn, this is, I can't, I, I wish there were still video stores that I worked at. So I could just yell at people to watch this movie every day and just like, okay, yeah. you're, I see what you rent. You're going to be the one that's really going to dig this. So, you know, check this out. And I feel like it's almost like this little secret that I really just want to yell to everybody about. Cause it's such a wonderful film you've made here. And I'm, I, I've been, fan of yours for a while now, Owen, you've been doing amazing work, which is just, it's kind of actually pisses me off to some degree. You're <laughs> way too young to have had as many good films under your belt. So Don't worry, I, I made a lot of films that nobody's ever seen. So, but, you know, well, yeah. they, 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 no, come on. I mean, you've done some really good shit though. That's uh, it's, it's truth. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, there's not, there's, there's not a lot of people that already at your age have like three films that I could think of that are pretty much they're undeniable that mm-hmm. it's just, no, no, that's a great movie. That's an amazing film. It's a, it's a minor miracle when any film is watchable, let alone <laughs> great. So like to have all that like hat trick yes. coming together for you, that's really impressive. So, I mean, yeah, I'm really excited for what both of you, whatever you have coming down next. Thank you so much. Oh, he's got some good things coming next for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I swear to secrecy. Understood. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised by that at all. Because the whatever powers that may be, I'm, they're going to figure it out. If it sounds like they already have, so congratulations. Thank you. 
Thank you both for taking the time today. I really appreciate yeah. it. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the questions. Uh, take care, guys. Bye-bye. Uh,